welcome to this episode of Saintly Witnesses, where I talk to the Catholic behind the account. Today, I'm speaking with Ogechi Calabari, who's going to come on and share some information about her stellar work as a social justice advocate and talk a little bit about her uh, work with the podcast that she does called Tell Me If You Can. Um, so I'm definitely excited to have her on today to give this um, exciting information. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yes, for sure, for sure. Um, as I always like to start these things, how we get acquainted. Um, I know we follow each other on several social media platforms. And I've always just been fascinated uh, by like the most bizarre thing, which is like her amazing ability to be uh, a power lifter. So I got to ask now that I have you on, like, how did you get started with that? <laughs> um, so I started powerlifting about seven years ago, and it was actually my younger brother that introduced me to the sport. I had done some of the movements that are in powerlifting before in high school. I took intros weightlifting and advanced weightlifting, which was not common for girls, but I always liked just to see how strong I could be. And so it was a natural thing to do after college when I was just looking for a way to exercise and I like competition. And so the competitive nature of strength training was appealing to me. Um, I think it's amazing. It's the best sport that I've done in my life. And I've done a lot of sports, but um, there's nothing that is as, for me, it's also like a spiritual practice to lift weights and to train. It really transcends just the aesthetics of it all. So I, it's been a blessing in my life for sure. Okay, that's real cool. I'm glad I got that got to answer, <laughs> answer that question finally. So thank you. Um, so as always, I start the, the program off with the first question, which is about your faith journey. So uh, what was your, are you a, like a cradle Catholic revert convert to the Catholic church and like summarize your journey? Like how was it, a, how was it growing up, middle life and like led you to now? So I, I am a cradle Catholic. Both of my parents were Catholic before I was born and they raised my four, my three siblings and I as Catholics. And so I went to all the sacraments normally. Um, and so growing up, we went to church, we went to mass regularly. And because my parents are very strict Nigerian parents, I was very active in the church because that was pretty much one of the few places I got to go outside of school and sports. So I really got involved in youth ministry and volunteering through my church and the ministries that my church offered the community. Um, so I would say that I was a very faith-filled young person, but I definitely struggled a lot with my understanding on a personal level of who God was to me personally, rather than just who God was to my parents and what I was supposed to understand God to be. And so because I didn't have that um that foundation as it as it could have been it struggled a lot um I was bullied a lot in elementary school all the way through high school and I struggled so much with self-confidence and so when people would say God loves you I didn't really believe that and that led to a lot of issues with my faith I really felt that God had abandoned me um so many times and so when I got to college that was probably the darkest part of my faith journey um, even though I struggled a lot in elementary school and high school because I was so involved in my church and there's there are people that made me feel like church was home because they knew me, they loved me, um, I was able to maintain my faith. But when you go to college, it's just you. <laughs> and then you see friends. I remember I tell I tell people about 
when I started off as a freshman, there was like a lot of black Catholics, which I didn't experience at all growing up. My parish is very multicultural, but there weren't as many black Catholics as someone else that might have gone to a more predominantly black church. And so I would walk, there's this long street on campus to the big Catholic church on campus. And I would walk with like four or five of us to mass. And then we would get brunch after. And as the years progressed in college, it was just me walking to mass. It was like people had left the, the faith or they started off because their parents told them to go to mass and they realized that no one was there to make them. And even when I was really, really angry with God, I still went to mass. I sat in mass angry with God. I participated as a lector, struggling with my faith. But I think that persistence was what has kept me in my faith. Um, but I have definitely floated a lot. I would have said I was a lukewarm Catholic. It actually took dating someone that uh, judged me because I was Catholic to bring me closer to my faith. He um, was an agnostic as we started dating. And then as things progressed, he discovered that he wanted to build, rebuild his relationship with God, but he was Protestant and um, he didn't see his path marrying or being serious with someone that was Catholic. And so I'm like, oh, you're gonna break up with me because I'm Catholic. <laughs> and the petty person that I am, and I always say the Holy Spirit knows how to use your strengths and weaknesses. So he used my pettiness in this situation. And so I looked through my church bulletin, which if anyone's ever worked for the church, no one, not many people look through the, the church bulletin. I looked through the church bulletin for activities that I could do. And I saw a program for young adults. It was a Hearts on Fire Ministries um, program. And I was like, I'm going to show him. I'm going to be so Catholic that he's going to be like, like, if he thought it was this Catholic, just wait. And so I met some young people and I just kept participating in those events. And that's pretty much what has kept me going in my faith community with people that um, strengthen me even when sometimes my relationship with God isn't as strong as it should be. That's a good story because, you know, through community, you found strength and developed uh, a stronger relationship with God. So that's a good, a good tie into the next question, actually. Um, <laughs> so what, any advice for anybody discerning the Catholic church or who may be like thinking of like, Hey, the Catholic church is for me. What would you say to that person? Well, I think the, the most important part of your faith is the sacraments, especially the sacrament of the Eucharist and reconciliation has been core, like key for my faith. And so if you're looking to join the Catholic Church for others, then that's perhaps may not be the best decision because like I said, if I was only looking to my right and left for companions with me on my faith journey, many times those companions left or were lagging behind or stopped along their journey. And so the sacrament was what sustained me going to mass regularly, even when I struggled or had questions. Um, your faith journey is always going to come with hills and valleys, but God is going to be with you in those hills and valleys, especially the valleys. <laughs> and um, lastly, finding community. If you are alone in your faith journey, find those that either want to sustain you and challenge you in your faith, those that may be on your level, above your level, whatever you, however you define level, um, those people will pray for you, will um, intercede for you when you don't even know you need the God's help. And they, my small group has been a great community praying for me 
and offering up prayers to God on my behalf. Um, so community has really been important to me. And I think the community of believers, we are lucky to have saints that we can look to to guide us along our faith journey. So if you're looking for the Catholic Church, there's a richness and there is a diversity in the Catholic Church that is powerful. You can go almost anywhere around the world and celebrate mass, which is not common in any other faith and receive that same Eucharist, that same, all of the same sacraments. So the beauty and the diversity that we have is powerful. Yeah. And to your point that you just said about the, you know, the, the Catholic nature of the sacraments, you can go to Nigeria, Europe, anywhere across the world and experience the, the sacraments of Christ and experience the mass. So that's a good, definitely a good point. And you mentioned about the, the community too. And so like having those, those solid prayer warriors come on your side is good because you're going to need some, some solid people on your circle. So yeah, two, yes. two good points. <laughs> um, so I noticed over like the past year, especially like in the past year with so much going on in the country regarding, you know, uh, racial injustice and uh, advocacy in the church um, like you've been participating in a lot of like discussions uh, regarding like uh, racial justice, even in the Catholic Church and just like on a national like uh, political level. And so I'm wondering, mm-hmm. like, how did you get started with like activism and like advocacy for racial justice? Oh, that's a great question. So I think um, I saw a post, I think it was on Twitter. It was like, when did you be fir- first become radicalized? Which for some people, radicalized might seem like a a bad thing, but I think that it is a great thing. And for me, when I first became radicalized, would have it been high school? It was when my parents participated in community organizing and they didn't even do it on like a large scale. They they were just attending a rally and it was for um, dreamers. And in Maryland, there was a proposal to um, allow in-state tuition for those that were undocumented or the children that were undocumented and being in the age where I was just about to apply to college, I was mind blown that I didn't think that people around me who were my age had to worry about that financial burden. And I realized that I had privilege, even though my parents were, you know, worrying about how to pay for me for college and I was praying for scholarships and things like that. I didn't have to worry about my, my, immigration status affecting my future. And um, because I'm so observant and I ask a lot of questions, I just kept asking why. I like community service, but I think social justice is beyond just charity work. It's really understanding the why behind why things happen and how can we change it so it doesn't happen for the next person. So that was probably my first exposure to social justice work. And then in college, being involved with my community at school and helping to um, recognizing the disparity just very just past my campus, there were communities of color that were experiencing food deserts. And so as a pre-med, I'm not a doctor now, but I was (laughs) pre-med. I thought a lot about health and wellness and how um, that disadvantage just because of your zip code could really change the trajectory of communities and their wellness. And so I worked in my um, pre-med college um, organization on different things. And through my sorority, we did events related to that. More recently, as a 
full-fledged adults. Um, in my work, I worked for social services and I was exposed to women dealing with domestic violence and then later on working in the foster care system. So making those connections, I, I did admin work. So I wasn't a social worker. I didn't feel like I had power to do anything. And so I took the opportunity through my job to be trained as a equity facilitator. And I've used that training, um, not just in the social services, but as a community organizer myself now, and in my parish and in my local community and speaking to other organizations. And currently I work as a co-practitioner at my school, um, which is hard. <laughs> um, trying to help people understand how, um, their privilege isn't necessarily a bad thing, but their privilege is an empowerment. Um, and it allows us to express our faith in a way that serves the other, serves um, our neighbor, the way that we're called to. Um, if you don't mind, there's a quote that I just recently read that I really like um, related to injustice. And it goes, likewise, rejoice always does not mean that you simply look on the bright side in the face of injustice. The anger that arises in you over an unjust situation may be a sign that God is moving you in the direction to address that injustice. That is, God may be speaking to you through our outrage at what you see, through your disgust over what you read or your shock over what someone has told you. So every time I got involved or heard stories, I became outraged or disgusted. And most recently over the summer, you know, um, you can't be silent and you see physically, we see more and more the injustice that exists and you can't be silent when you know your brothers and sisters in Christ are suffering, whether it's in your neighborhood or around the world. Sorry, that's a very long-winded answer. No, no, no. That's just, I'll leave what you said is good. Very important stuff. And you, you touched on a lot of different parts on how you started and how you started and how you sustained it over the years and how even how you do it now in your profession. So that's good. And I know that you mentioned, um, I guess, how it began in Maryland with the uh, dreamers and like in-state tuition. And so I know Texas has like just been in uh, the news horribly. <laughs> Texas just stay in the news horribly for like a whole <laughs> bunch of bad stuff with the governor and the senators. But Texas is like one of the I mean, it was like one of the first states to pass like in-state tuition for dreamers with the Texas Dream Act, like in the early thousands. So uh, that's probably like a little a little sprinkle of positivity in Texas. <laughs> uh, but, yes. yes. <laughs> but yeah. Um, oh, so my next question, as I highlighted in the beginning, you know, um, you started the podcast, Tell Me If You Can. Um, and it seems like you, you invite like a lot of great uh, women speakers and like great women who just have like really great hobbies and like passions. Um, and it seems like it's a great like medium for empowerment and elevating uh, voices of women of color too. Um, so I'm wondering, do you consider yourself a feminist? And if so, you know, how does uh, being a feminist like interplay with you being a black woman? Yes. Yeah, so I most definitely consider myself a feminist. If you asked me that probably 10 years ago, I probably would have cringed at the term because I didn't see myself in many of those feminist spaces. Even um, someone asked me why I didn't participate in the march, Women's March. Um, and I think because so much of the narrative of what feminism is on a mainstream level is very much like white privileged women. Um, and that's not me. 
the intersection of my race and my gender is important to me and I needed to see myself. And so now that more and more people are recognizing that diversity of voices, not even just races, but diversity of voices and backgrounds and experiences are necessary in the feminist circle, I can 100% say that I am a feminist. Um, and to me, that means elevating the voices of women around the world, all women, whether they look like me or are from my same social economic background. Um, and one way that I do that is through my podcast. Uh, I was intentional to only interview women. And that's not to say that the voices of men are not valid or I can't gain insight from them, but <laughs> the women in my life have been amazingly powerful and influential. And I think too often women are told that their stories aren't important. And if you notice, I don't interview like not that Serena Williams, if she wants to, hey girl, like come over to the <laughs> podcast, but I interview everyday women. So they're not like celebrities or anything like that. And sometimes when I ask them to be interviewed, they don't think that they have something spectacular to talk about, but our everyday stories are valuable, valuable because we recognize that there's a piece of uh, our story in a lot of people and that um, in sharing our stories, we are almost doing a little bit of therapy for ourselves. We're empowering our voice and we are showing others that they can be empowered. And so I chose to give this platform to women. And most of my guests have been women of color because they deserve their voices to be amplified. And if I, if I do it, if I can do it, then I will. And if I don't do it, I don't know who else will. Um, in other circles, I would say I'm a feminist because I like to push the envelope of what it means to be a woman. I don't like to be put in a box. So just by the very nature of me being um, super outspoken, <laughs> um, a power lifter, which when I started, there wasn't as many women in my area powerlifting. So doing something that wasn't as common for women. Even when I decided to take weightlifting in high school, I was being um, radical in that choice because it was one of two women in that weightlifting class in high school. So feminism means using your voice as a woman, using your feminine genius in a way that not only amplifies your status, but those, the status of other women around you. That's a good point. And I think as you were talking about, you know, it just seemed like you were talking about solidarity with like women, not just yes. domestically, uh, or who look like you, but just all women. Yes. That, that, that just stood out to me about solidarity. So that was really good. Uh, I really appreciate hearing your thoughts on that. And I asked that question too, because as you highlighted, you know, we talk about feminism, it's just super general and it does come from like the lens of a, a white woman's perspective. And so um, just ha having that opportunity to highlight and focus on, you know, the black experience and understanding like the various forms of, how the patriarchy and classism impact Black mm -hmm. women specifically is, is super important. So, uh, yeah, I think that's why I wanted to ask that. Um, so my next question is, you know, piggybacking on the previous two questions about your, your work with activism and um, your phenomenal podcast work by elevating uh, the voices of women. Um, how does your Catholic faith uh, influence both of those, like your passion for justice and the podcast? Um, you talked a lot about your, your Catholic faith. So I'm sure it's like a, a whole volume of, of, of ways it's influenced you. Yes. Yeah, so I think um, when I think of how my Catholic faith influences 
um, my action as a justice warrior, whatever you want to call it, I often think of the parable of the Good Samaritan and Pope Francis uses this parable and Okay, allow me to nerd out a little, but I like to nerd out about encyclicals. But um, Pope Francis (laughs) (laughs) uses it in his latest encyclical, um, Fratelli Tutti, and um, that parable is kind of like and has always been an eye opener for me. And I've been a lector for many years, and every time I read it or listen to it, sorry, um, it it like it opens up little pockets of how I can do justice better and so for me being a good Samaritan is not only recognizing that there is injustice in the world or recognizing that there are voices that aren't heard like especially voices of women but doing something actively doing something to rectify that it could be as simple as um, making sure that when you have a boardroom the voices of women and especially women of color are included in those decisions. Um, there, it's it doesn't have to be as radical as you know arguing on Facebook or Instagram. It could be as simple as opening your eyes and ears and noticing who is and is not included in policies, procedures, discussions, even in your classroom. Are you talking about women of the the church. When you give examples of saints, do you only talk about male saints? Do you only talk about European saints? Do you include saints from other countries? So as a educator at a Catholic school, I can do that practically. But even just if I had kids, I would hope that parents would choose to do that as well. So um, in doing that, you're showing young people, you're showing yourselves that you recognize and see the voices of others. So then when you see those different people, one, it helps amplify your own differences and you respect yourself a little bit more because you you acknowledge your diversity as a human being and your uniqueness. Um, and that's something that, again, was mentioned in Fratelli Tutti. But then also you recognize the uniqueness of the other and respect their dignity as a human being, especially with women. And in respecting women when they're harmed, whether it's domestic violence, um, pay inequity, and things like that, you want to speak out and do something to change that because you respect them so much, you love them so much as a follower of Christ that that love can't help but make you want the betterment for them. I like the idea of um, like creating opportunities at the table for for inclusion and like equity and diversity. Yes. So that's that's really important. Um, so my last question, which is always the the best question, <laughs> is uh, who who are some of your your favorite saints, uh, and what have they taught you? Okay. I just start writing these down. So I just start I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have of like official official saints my favorite saint would have to be saint augustine of hippo um i think when i learned like really learned about saint augustine um and read his confessions uh it was a time where i was like like i said floundering in my faith it was just before i dated that guy that broke up with me and i was just trying to do things and I was going through the motions, going to different study groups and we were reading this book and I was like, oh, St. Augustine, oh, he's African, like North Africa, cool, African saint. Um, And learning how he was like, you know, 
he was trifling. <laughs> Lack of a better word. He was, he was going trifling. through it to say yes. <laughs> but also he has such a beauty of seeing his faith. And even in his like mistakes, he was so like reflective and res- and responsive to how his thoughts and emotions made him feel and the things that he thought. And then obviously he had to be um, introspective in writing his confessions. But I really, really like that because there are so many times as I was sitting, I was almost like, like thinking outside of myself, like, oh, Gachi, you're messing up. What would God, like that kind of introspective and analysis that he has, I love. And I, I'm a nerd, so I love philosophy. And we learned a little bit about St. Augustine in college when I took ethics and um, philosophy and things like that. But being able to read his words was really powerful to me. And knowing that, I mean, he went so far away from God and all these different heretical belief systems. And his mom, St. Monica, is my second favorite because she reminds me of my mom and how she was just tireless in her prayer for her son. And knowing, like, he was going, like, you know, children out of wedlock, doing all his sewing, all of that pride because he was this renowned speaker and all the pride that he had he had all the things of the world but he was so thirsty for god and kind of it reminds me of like i can have all the riches of the world but like he says your heart is restless until it rests in god and so i i just love saint augustine and i i feel like i can always learn more from him um my second favorite is not quite a saint yet, but God willing, she will be. And that is Sister Thea Bowman. She's servant of God, so she's on her way. I've prayed for her intercession so much this past year. And it's really sad that I only learned about her. Maybe it, it would be t- like last a year and a half ago. So um I was studying Black Catholics to give a presentation to my school and I learned about her and I was like, this woman is literally everything that I aspire to be. She is bold. She loves music and I love music. Um, she breaks out in song when she gives speeches and I've given speeches where I've sung. Um, and she has no problem calling out hierarchy of the church. She called out those bishops in her bishop's address in the 80s. And she was so um, reflective, even in her suffering of cancer. So I just, I love her. I have her book with her um, excerpts from different speeches she's given and just learning about how she used her, used her voice in a way that touched so many hearts and spoke about justice, but not only justice, she spoke about the beauty of what it means to be Black and Catholic, that it didn't have to be something that the quote-unquote mainstream Catholic Church feared, but rather something that could be embraced and woven into the tapestry of our faith and our diversity that is so beautiful of the Catholic Church. Um, She's amazing, so she's probably my second... I mean, I include her even though she's not an official capital S saint. I include her so much because she is um, truly inspirational and I I ask her intercession often. Um, And finally, I would have to say Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, I had the little kid's book. (laughs) 
who did it have that book and i was so mad because she wasn't a saint yet and she was supposed to be like i wanted her to do my confirmation say but she hadn't become a saint yet um, but mother Teresa was my exposure to service and i have such a love of service to community and others and um this tiny tiny woman giving of herself and trusting god so boldly was really inspirational to me as a young person and i've i've always had a passion for service. Now I'm a service coordinator at a school. So clearly that was where I, God wanted me to give my gifts. Um, and Mother Teresa was my first exposure to that. Oh, also, oh, sorry. I didn't want to, <laughs> <laughs> I can't forget to, sorry. When people talk about Mother Teresa, they forget the fact that she had such desolation. Um, and I didn't learn about that until I was older after she had died. Um, it appears the loneliness that she had, right? Or like yes, abandonment. Yes. And feeling of abandonment. And um, what, as someone that's gone through that a lot in her life, it was actually quite comforting to know that someone that's a saint has felt, and other saints have felt this too, but someone that I admire so much, uh, outwardly, you know, you see her doing great things, and sometimes her story can just be um, almost like cartooned made into a cartoon of this like this giving small Albanian woman but woman but really she also struggled spiritually and so that spiritual struggle doesn't have to mean that your faith is broken but it's un it's an unfortunate part of the faith journey and the people that have been closest to God have also unfortunately felt that just that desolation and I just I, I love that um, it's part of her story and it comforts those of us that feel that. Yeah, it's definitely a good lesson from <clears throat> St. Mother Teresa. And I know I noticed as you were talking about uh, St. Augustine, you mentioned that he was trifling. And I keep, I always, <laughs> I always forget that St. Uh, Augustine was, was like a little wild child. And I'm thinking about uh, yes. St. Moses the Black too. Like St. Moses the Black was also a wild. <laughs> yes, yes. So we had to keep in mind people like St. Moses the Black and St. Augustine, because they were they were really out of there before they became saints. Yeah, so like even if you look at someone, anyone could be a saint, even if you have a wild past, as long as you're continuing on that path to God, anyone could be a saint, even if you were trifling or currently are <laughs> trifling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's good wisdom right there, especially for a lot of us, for all us sinners out here. Um, yes. well, I definitely appreciated this conversation and I appreciated hearing about like your influences and like what drives you for, you know, your work for activism and making sure all voices are at the table um, at this, this really great grand, you know, table that we have for the Catholic Church and for like um, inclusion and diversity. Um, so you guys make sure that you continue to uh, keep Ogachi in your prayers and the work that she does, especially at the micro level at our school and even for like the macro level um, for like advancing in like activism as she does so uh, you guys can tune in to the next episode